Self-worth is the unlock. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. A lot of times what I'm really doing is I'm trying to have people understand how their mind works so that they can take action. Because everybody wants life to be a little bit different. They want to be a little bit better. They want to make more money. They want to be a bit better parent. They want to grow a business. And all of those things require action. But most of the time, we're not really taking action. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage Podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage Podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. So on today's podcast, we have the mindset mentor, Rob Dial. Rob has amassed 3 million social media followers including business professionals, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. With his expertise and passion for helping motivated people to become the best version of themselves. Rob and I talk about social media, about his background, his family, how he got into the coaching business, and how he grew this this large podcast. So I'm really excited. Let's just get into it. Okay, so uh, we're just going to kind of get right into it. Um, okay. So again, thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, I am such a mindset person. That's been yeah. one of the biggest things for me through my self care uh, progression over these last uh, ten plus years, and you know the whole self care savage mindset is what I call it. So I, I love uh, listening to and finding new people that have different takes on it and what the what they're trying to do. Plus, I'm very sensitive and also pushing the social media narrative of people that are in our space, so to speak, mm-hmm. and to be more encouraging for people to do that and to start leading more from a giving way than yeah. a take, take, take way. And uh, that's that's why I always look at, at, at going through people's stuff. But but what I, the first question I kind of want to ask you is what your relationship is with social media. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, it's it, the way I see social media is also the way I see the world where a lot of people say, oh, well, the world has problems and the world is this and that. I think that the world is just a physical manifestation of the human mind. And I also think so is social media. It's just a, it's just a manifestation of the human mind. So there's 
just like in, you look into the world, there's really great parts of the world. There's really great people out there. There's also some really terrible parts of the world and really terrible people out there. Social media is the exact same way in, 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 in what I do. So I have a podcast, but I also teach people you know, through mindset programs, but I also teach people how to grow coaching businesses online. And one of the biggest pieces of resistance that a lot of people have is social media, putting themselves out there. And they say, oh, well, I don't, I don't like social media. I'm not a fan of it. Or I always hear all the time, I'm too old for social media. I've, that was past my prime, past those years. And, um, and so they're like, well, I want to help the world, but you know, I want to, I want to do it in a different way. I don't want to do it through social media. I'm like, okay, I respect that. But if you really want to change the world and you really want to help change people's mindset, shouldn't you go where everybody is? Like, shouldn't you, if you were, if it was a, a room of four people or a room of 10,000 people, and you're trying to get a message across that you think is important for people to understand, wouldn't you rather go to the room of 10,000 people versus four people and, and proclaim your message there? And so the way I see social media is if somebody really doesn't like social media and they don't like the aspect of it, and they don't like the way that the world is, that's the place that they should go to say their message. Because that's the place where they can actually change the, change the world a lot quicker. We we have this amazing technological piece of advancement where you could, like you for instance, you go on a walk and you have an idea and you take your phone and you just pull it up there and you just start talking. And it goes out to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's an amazing thing to have. And so I think that the the problem with social media is when social media somebody's somebody's not using social media, but they're being used by social media is what I really think. So for me. I'll be fully honest with you. I have two separate phones. I have my personal phone, which does not have social media on it. And I have my business phone, which is plugged in in my office at all points in time. And when I want to create a message, I either do it on that phone. Yeah, you have two phones too, right? So you're in the, you're in the same boat that I am, right? We're on the same page. And then, uh, and then when I want to create content for social media as well, I also have my studio. But for me, it was just, I just had one phone for a really long time. And so I think what's important is for people to see the place of like, if you do want to put a message out there, social media is a place to to do it. You could have almost no followers and create a, a video that just comes from the heart and has value and it could go viral and people can see it. So I think that it's a really important place for people to be able to share a message if the message is really important to them, but then also at the same time, make sure that they're not being used by social media because it's just a tool and to use it you know, just like a hammer. When you want to get, you want to nail something into a wall, use a hammer. When you want to get a message out to the masses, you pick up your phone. And so I think that the, uh, the thing that I try to remind myself of with social media is it's a place for me to be creative, but not to consume. So I create on social media, but I don't consume social media. Gotcha. You know, I couldn't have scripted that out better. Uh, <laughs> what you just said. I mean, social, look, social media is here. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. Yep. It's only going to increase. It's where marketing dollars are going into. If you're going to try to uh, uh, start a business and you want to, it's just the way it is. And yep. um, and people people blame the algorithm and they blame certain things around social media. And I, what one of the things I, I talked a little bit about this earlier on another podcast is is look, the algorithms are there but you are your own personal individual algorithm. Mm-hmm. Whatever is on your feed, yes, uh, Instagram, TikTok, or somebody may have put it on there f- to start with, or mm-hmm. they, something was heard or said, or you wrote something or whatever, and they're going to they're gonna throw it at you. But if that's what's in your feed, 
It's because you're watching it. Yeah, of course. That's how it works. I think it's real important. And I always tell anybody, if you just get into a giving mind, you know, mindset, spirit, and just put things out, like you said, just put that phone up to you. Or if you've got something to say, it goes out to thousands of people. That is, it's life changing, not for those people you put it out to, to, to yourself as well. But I, I wanted to point that out. That's what I'm so encouraging right now is the, that giving spirit. Even your podcast I listen to, you know, you're just giving, you're giving it away. You know, you're, you're, you're here's here and you're talking about here's the things that work and here's what I did. I, you know, you're talking about when you were 19 and, you know, just, just those different things. That's, I, I think that's really, that's really amazing. So thanks for to Tell us a little bit more. Let's go, let's go the route of the book a little bit. Evidently there's, there's a lot of things in there too that are what you, you're, you believe in. You're pushing your narrative around what you're trying to get across. Can you just kind of Talk a little bit more about that and around why you wrote the book. Yeah. So for me, my my best way of communicating is speaking. It's not, I'm not a great writer, any of that. And so for years, everyone's like, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? Because I started my podcast, The Mindset Mentor in 2015. So it's, you know, this month has been eight years since I started it. I've put out 1300 episodes. I posted on Instagram almost 8,000 times, I think now, uh, you know, I have whatever, five or 600,000 people that follow me there. I've got almost 3 million people that follow me on Facebook. And so for me, it's always been content creation. And the book was always like this, I'll, I'll do it one day. And then uh, during 2020, when there was a lot of space, uh, I had some calls with my friends who are, are authors and they they publish books. And I was like, I'm thinking about writing a book. I have it. It's kind of like I uh, felt like I was ready to give birth to something different. And, and I wanted to give a, like a manual because my whole thing is, if someone listens to the podcast, I think that it'll change your life in many ways. But the podcast is about a bunch of different topics on how to improve yourself. But it's not like a from start to finish, this is the manual for this thing. And so that's kind of what I wanted to create was like a manual for something. And so I actually wrote an entire book and then I was reading it and I didn't like it. And so I actually wrote a completely different book. And so I wrote two books in the past three years. One of them just not gonna see the light of day or maybe it'll come out, come out another time. And so I started looking, I was like, what, what do I do when I look at all of the stuff that I do? And, and I was like, you know what, like with the mindset mentor and like talking about mindset, a lot of times what I'm really doing is I'm trying to pe have people understand how their mind works so that they can take action because everybody wants life to be a little bit different. They want to be a little bit better. They want to make more money. They want to be a bit better parent. They want to grow a business and all of those things require action. But most of the time we're not really taking action. And so the original first title of the book was Take Action, but that's not really the sexiest title of a book, you know? Like they always say, if you're, if you're going to sell somebody, don't sell them on the plane ride, sell them on the vacation and, and being in, don't sell them on the, whole, the, the, the ride to Hawaii, sell them on what it's going to be like to be in Hawaii. And so Take Action isn't like the sexiest title. So when I looked at it, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book on taking action. And we, we settled with Level Up on how to actually level up your life as a title. And the subtitle is how to get focused, stop procrastinating and upgrade your life, which is taking action. And so there's, there's only three parts to the book. And so I, I sat back and I started, when I decided to rewrite and write a new book, uh, I was in Sedona for a company trip. We had, uh, I think like 15 of our employees are out there and we were in Sedona. And I told my wife, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to stay for an extra week, like just by myself. I'm going to rent a nice Airbnb and I'm just going to write the, I was, 
crazy to think that I could write it in a weekend or an entire week. I was there for seven days and I've taken a couple of years. But, uh, but really what happened was I had the space to kind of think like, what do I do? And all of it is like tips and tricks on how to take action, why you're not taking action and all of that. And so I broke it into three parts. The first part, part one is, is why you're not taking action, which is one of the most important aspects. It's like, I can teach you how to take action, but if you don't understand why you're not taking action now, it's going to be really hard to, to use these tips and tricks anyway. So the first part, part one is why you're not taking action. Part two is how to take action. And then part three, there's a lot of science and neurobiology and neurology of like how to actually take your actions and turn them into habits by actually changing your brain. And not in like the, hey, you can change your brain this way, but like scientific studies. I hired a friend of mine and paid him a very significant amount of money to help me make sure that he's a, a neurologist, that everything in there is fact based off of science of how to change your brain. And so we went through 16 rounds of edits, took three years to write. It's basically 17 years of knowledge of coaching people since 2006 of this is what it takes to go from I'm not doing what I want to in my life to I know exactly what it is that I need to do to take action, create the life that I want. So that was like the manual that I wanted to create for people. And that's why it was called Level Up is because you are where you are now. If you take the action that you need to, then you'll you'll upgrade your life. And that and I think that you, you talk about, look, if you're if you're not dealing with those things that are keeping you from you know, moving forward, taking action, procrastinating, whatever it is you're doing, you know, that's, that's a big part of uh, my message of self-worth. And a lot of that comes down to people, the self-esteem, self-worth, uh, them not, them not dealing with those things that they're afraid of. They're not dealing with those voices in their head that, that, that tell them they can't do it, which were put in there by other people or wherever their environment was. So yeah, those are, um, yeah, spot on. I mean, so I didn't know you had, I, back to the, so you've been on Facebook quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously. Is, is that, and do you do most of your social media through Facebook? No. So what happened was when I, when I first started in, in putting a message out there it was about 2015, 2016, Facebook was the big thing at the time. And Instagram was still kind of growing. You couldn't, there wasn't even much video that you could put on Instagram at the time. And so my platform for communicating was, was the podcast and Facebook as well. And so what I started doing was I started creating viral videos. So two to three minute videos around a specific subject. Um, my most viral video that I have is at 110 million views. And, uh, and then across all of them, I'm probably at about 1.5 billion views on Facebook alone. And so built this huge following on it. And then people just stopped going on Facebook as much. And then it became Instagram. So I was like, <laughs> all right, now I need to pivot and make sure because now that there's reels and now that we can go longer and talk longer, we could put the messages out there. But 2015, 16, 17, it really wasn't there as a platform to be able to share these messages. And so I was growing a following. I'd have 100, 200,000 people. But over the past, I'd say probably three years, there's been a really big shift from Facebook to being the platform to Instagram being the platform and TikTok being the platform. And so for me, that's, that's when the transition happened is same thing I said before. Like if I want my message to get out, I need to go where everybody is. And so that's where we really started pivoting from instead of three minute messages, which is what it was on Facebook, it became, you know, 45 seconds and being way more concise with exactly what it is I'm trying to say and get my point across to people. So uh, that's how I grew that following. And then a lot of people moved over from Facebook to, to uh, Instagram and follow me on there as well. So um, tell, if you can talk maybe a little bit, Rob, about where you come from a little bit, maybe 
you know, where, where you grew up and how you grew up, maybe just a little bit about your environment. And maybe if there's a couple of those things that triggered you to, to be, to becoming Rob. Yeah. So my story is, uh, is I was raised in Florida. I was raised by my mom and my dad. Uh, my dad had, uh, some demons from his past. So he, uh, he walked in the room when he was 12 years old after his father had killed himself and he never really overcame those demons. And, uh, so over time he was in construction, he did, um, uh, sales for really, really heavy construction equipment, ended up injuring himself and through injuring himself, started drinking and started taking, you know, prescription medication that was given to him for his back problems. And, uh, so my parents got divorced when I was nine, 10 years old. And, uh, and so I had all of the trauma of having an alcoholic father. The thing that's, that, that I say is I was lucky to have the alcoholic father I did. He never, he never beat me. He never yelled at me. He never touched me inappropriately. He was, uh, the type of one that would just get drunk and then fall asleep, which meant that he wasn't really present. So there'd be times when he was supposed to pick me up to go to baseball practice or basketball practice, and he just never show up or to go fishing and he never show up. And so there was, there was a, a therapist that I went to years ago and he's like, your problem was not any sort of abuse. Your problem is more of neglect and you've built a life based off of neglect. And so what happened was we didn't have any money. My mom had to work three jobs when they got, when they got divorced. And that was, uh, he, he passed away when I was 15 from being an alcoholic. He was the first person that I ever met that, that had passed away. So I didn't have any death in my life before then. And I remember my dad died on uh, November 1st, 2021. And uh, I'm sorry, 2001. And I remember my sister's birthday was 23 days later. And my mom and I and my sister went to Olive Garden for her 21st birthday on uh, November 24th. I remember my mom, I was driving. I had my permit at the time. And I was driving. We were at a stoplight. I remember exactly where we were. And my mom said, so like, what do you... What do you guys think? It's been three weeks since your father passed away. What's your thoughts on it? And I remember clear as day, and I, I don't know what wisdom this 15-year-old kid had. I said, I think that if dad were to understand how much good I'm going to make sure it comes from this, he'd be okay with dying. And it's been my mission since then to figure out a way to make what was the worst day of my life also the best day of my life and have some sort of good come from it. So the first thing I wanted to do, and I'm, I was always very, very shy as a kid, was I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll go speak and I'll, I'll speak at AA meetings and just tell people from a child's perspective what happens to you as a child when you have an alcoholic parent. We tried that and then we found out that the only people that can show up to an AA meeting are alcoholics. So they wouldn't even let me speak at it. So we had to curb that idea. That never happened. And then four years later, what happened was um, I was very aware that there was probably some problems that, that I had inside of me because of it. So we didn't have any money to go to therapy. When I was 19 years old, I uh, started in a sales company that pushed personal development really hard, like grow, 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 grow. And uh, I hired my first one-on-one -on -one coach when I was 19, about to turn 20 years old. And I paid him $500 a month and uh, didn't have that money. I put it under a credit card, but I just wanted my life to be different. And so I paid him $500 a month and I was paying $350 for rent at the time and um, worked with him for two years on my mindset, on my sales, on my communication, all of this. And uh, in that company, they promote very quickly. So within six months, I became an assistant manager. When you become an assistant manager, you actually start running interviews. So I was 20 running interviews sometimes for people from 17 all the way to 60 years old at 20 years old. And then they teach you how to do training. And training is 17 hour seminars every single week, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So 17 hours of, of public speaking every single week. And uh, through them, 
I started teaching, the thing I loved most about being there was not teaching how to sell stuff, but teaching people what's going on in their mind. And so I was with them for about six years. I left there. I ended up running the number one office in the company, but I was like, I got burnt out because I was just, I was just not in love with it anymore. Hit the, hit the top of the mountain. And I was like, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I quit there. I got a couple of sales jobs throughout the next five years or so. The thing I missed the most though was teaching, like teaching people about themselves. That was the thing I missed the most. I remember one of my sales reps, uh, his name was Richard, came up to me and he, Richard was from the worst part of town in Fort Lauderdale where we were. And uh, the year before he came in and became one of our, our sales reps, his father had passed away. His father was, was in a wheelchair and he started choking. He was by himself and ended up choking and, and dying from it. And he told me one day, and it was like one of the most life-changing moments of my life. He said, where I come from, we don't have role models. And since my father passed away, you're the only thing that's been a role model to me in the past year since he passed away. I was 23 at the time and Richard was 20. And so to have someone three years younger than me tell me that I was his role model and had stepped in that position was like really eye-opening and life-changing for me. So in 2015, I had been working jobs and made great money and all this stuff, but I just didn't feel fulfilled. And I, I told my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to start a podcast. And in 2015, podcasts were not really like a big thing. Like it was nobody listened to podcasts. It wasn't, it wasn't a big, huge thing. I didn't do it because I wanted to make money or any of that, but I just felt obligated to teach the things that had helped me because I felt like self-development had almost been like a therapy to me. Like I started to kind of fix myself in a lot of different ways. It doesn't take the place of therapy, but I started to learn about myself a little bit more. And so that's what happened. I started the podcast and I said, I'm just going to not, I'm just not going to stop. I'm just going to create this podcast. And within like three weeks, I got an email from a lady who said her father passed away five years ago and she's been in a deep depression since her, actually her father had committed suicide. And once her father committed suicide five years ago, she'd been in deep depression, deep depression. And by listening to my podcast, it's been taking her out of that depression and she's starting to become better. And I got, once I got that email, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm done. This is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. No one's going to stop me. And so yeah, that was eight years ago and over 1300 podcast episodes since just became what my life is now. And that's where we are, how we got to where we are now. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. That's great. That's a great story. I mean, I, man, I really appreciate you sharing that and, um, about your dad and everything. Uh, and I know you talked about some of the things, the, 
did you have you again as much as you want to talk about you talked about mainly your issue or identifying neglect being more of a result of your father's absence through his alcoholism and all that is that neglect because neglect and and feeling neglected and feeling abandoned or feeling left behind or you know that doesn't that's something as a kid I know from things I went through bringing that into adulthood doesn't translate very well in dealing with you know your life your relationships growing a business or doing things even becoming a, a teacher unless you kind of identified that and maybe reconcile a little bit, heal and forgive somehow, whatever you've done. Can you zero in maybe just a little on that? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I've come to realize is that I've never met somebody and I've worked with thousands of people over the years. I've never met somebody whose paradigm of the world doesn't have to be some different flavor of I'm not enough. And our, our greatest fear is that we're not enough. We won't be loved. And usually that comes from something with our parents. And so I always ask people, like, if you think back to when you were a child, whose love did you crave the most as a child? And then once you answer that question, ask yourself, what did I need to do to get that person's love? And so for me, the person that I crave the most as a child. And so when I say I'm not enough and it's, it's all like ice cream, but it's different flavors, right? So it's like there's chocolate, there's strawberry, there's vanilla. And so if I'm not enough as the ice cream, sometimes it comes into, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm uh, never going to be a good parent. I won't be able to provide for my family. And, and so it's all these different flavors that it kind of turns into, but the core of it is I'm not enough. And if I'm not enough, I won't be loved. And so what I realized with my dad's uh, absence was the person whose love I craved the most as a child was my father's. And then you ask yourself the question of who did I have to be in order to get it? There was really nothing that I could do to feel like I could get my father's love because there was a part of me that felt like I always came second to alcohol. And so it developed self-worth issues of like, even when I was 30 years old, I, I had to take a step back and be like, why am I pushing so hard? Why am I always trying to achieve? Why do I feel like I have to make money? And behind it was, I was still trying in some sort of way to prove my worth to my father, even though my father had passed away 15 years prior to that. And so for me, the neglect turned into wanting to prove my worth to myself, to other people, to society, to every, everybody around because of the fact that I just wanted my father's love in the first place. And really what it comes down to at that point in time is we have to learn to just give ourselves love for who we are and how we are in the process that we're in in life, knowing that I, I don't I don't ever expect myself to get to a destination of I've made it or I'm perfect or everything's great. I think uh, one of the things that, that holds people back in self-development is they're like, why am I not there yet? Right? We, 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 get, we develop this self-awareness and then three weeks later, we screw up again the same way that we did before. And it's like, damn it, I thought I figured this out. I thought I had gotten this down. I don't expect, you know, if my grandfather lived in 96. If I can be lucky enough to live to 96, which another 59 years, uh, I will probably still have things that I'm working on. And I think that that's the beauty of life. And I think that's what it is, is to experience and to get lost in our ways. Because the only way you truly find out who you are is by being, by finding out who you're not. The only way you find yourself is by losing yourself. And so I lose myself a lot less than I used to, but I still lose myself multiple times a day, I just get back to who I feel like I truly am as quick as possible. And sometimes I'll get stressed. You know, I've got, I've got 34 people that work in my company. So, you know, it's not just me. Now I've got other people's stresses and we've got to help provide for other people and their families. And there's children that are involved and there's all of this. So there's a, an added lever, layer of stress. 
And so sometimes I get stressed and I'm like, all right, take a step back. You're getting lost again. Why are we doing this? What is, what's the reason for this? What's the point of this company? Why do we want to help people? Why are you trying to be the person you're trying to become? And when I can align back with that, I get myself kind of back on the path and, and following my North Star of, of what I'm actually trying to do here. Yeah. And, and it's because you do understand where it comes from. And you, yep. you look, when, when stressors do come up in our lives, that's when we're like anything, you're going to, the human, the, the hurt, whatever those things are still there or layered there, which they, they usually never all get healed. There's another layer there. But when you, that stressor does come, you, you go back to what you, that feeling or that, that way to handle it or that survival piece to it, uh, whatever. But that was a great way you talked about, okay, wait a minute, you know, kind of stop for a minute and, okay, you know, here's where it's coming from and here's, you know, I get it. And, you know, we've been down this road before. So, you know, let's take a quick time out and let's get back on course. And everybody has their own ways of doing things. And that is, that's, that's a, that's a great way. So I'm, I'm glad you, you, you know, you kind of get to that information too. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. So tell me a little bit about um, where you are now, like where you've come from to where you are now, which is, again, is a huge accomplishment, you know, having the company you've built and the message you're trying to put out and the encouragement. Where is this? Do you see this going for you? What is do you have a plan of where you're wanting to go with it or are you? Yeah, I do. I'm not attached to it. I, I found that uh, I set a lot of goals when I was younger and I've achieved a lot of goals and it's, it's great to be there. But um, one thing that I'm trying to to answer your question, yes. So for me, live this book coming out and live events are the two things that we're stepping into more of. So we did a live event this past weekend. Next year in February or March, we're locking down the dates. We're probably going to have four to 500 people live. For me, I love being in front of people. And the the podcast started just because of the fact that I had literally this microphone when I was in 2015. It's the same one I've been using for eight years now. And really? it just, it was there. It's the same, it's, it works real well. So I, I recommend them. The, the, uh, but the thing about it though, is, is for me is I've come to realize that, that for me, I love being in front of people. Like there's, there's, there's nothing like it. And for, for the, the company I was telling you where I did a lot of, I trained over 2000 sales reps. I was constantly on stage all the time. I love creating the podcast. And I think the pod, I think that, that working for that company, I probably had I probably had 20,000 hours of, of public speaking in front of them by the time I was uh, 24 years old and I left that company, almost 25 and left the company. And so I had like 20,000 hours of, of public speaking and, and seeing somebody's face. And there's when you're on a podcast, it's in, in social media, it's great and you're getting a message out there, but you can't speak like one-on-one -on -one directly in front of somebody, feel their energy, feel the energy of a room. And so for me, it's how do we take this message the podcast is only about 15 to 20 minutes every single episode. And I try to make them very concise, very short to the point and try to get done in 20 minutes what could take somebody an hour sometimes to, to tell them. And so I try to condense it and make it like, hey, you got a 20 minute drive, you're going to get the entire message is going to be done by the time that you get to your destination. But if someone comes to an event and they've got eight hours a day, three days with me, 24 hours total, we're going to go way deeper into finding out like, and it's not, 
it's not passive learning anymore where you're just listening, but it's more active learning of listening, journaling, going into breakouts, talking with another person who's there, your things, their things. Sometimes when you hear somebody else reflect what's going on in their life, you go, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Me as well. And so for me, the next thing I want to go go into is events because this weekend was a perfect example of like, it is the thing that makes me come the most alive is sitting in front of somebody, seeing their face, feeling their energy and helping them process through something uh, that they've gone through in their past. And then therefore it's not passive working on yourself. It's actively working on yourself. And so for me, the book was the next step to get there um, was to be able to, to put the book out, to have something that's physical that can take someone from point A to point B. Now that that's accomplished and it comes out on October 3rd, it'll be out. So the next mountain that we're climbing is going to be live events. And so uh, live events, doing them, being in front of people is really the next thing I really want to do because I just love being in. And I'm, a, I'm an introvert too, but something clicks on inside of me whenever I get to a live event. And it's like, all right, now it's go time. And so that's the, the, the next big one. But as far as like revenue goals and trying to become super successful, like I don't, to be honest with you, like people are like, oh my gosh, you're like Tony Robbins 2.0. Like, I don't really care to be that. There's nothing, no part of me that's like, I want to be famous. There's no part of me that's like, I, there's no part of me that wants the fame and all that stuff. It's just like, this is what I feel. And I always go off a of feeling. What I feel is the next step of what I'm supposed to do. And I'm just going to follow that feeling. And maybe I'll do it for a few years and maybe I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to go back to only doing stuff live virtually. But this is the kind of the next path of what I'm going to go down and, and start to focus more time on. You have a, a very ease about you. You're you. you're not. I can tell it's something you believe internally. You're not trying to sell me on something, even though. So there's such a there's such a um, that's another piece that's missing when we talk about the social media with um, putting your message out. And that now I can see you know talking to you and understand a little bit more about Facebook and where you come from and. I mean, I really appreciate you for that. It's real important that we have people like you, which I'm big, I'm pushing on really hard on leaders right now too, about leading by example and all those. And that's the other piece you have too, of, of showing and talking about doing it, willing to share your message, all of those things. So that's what I'm getting from all this. Just so you know, too, that's, I think that's great. I, uh, yeah, thanks. It's, I'll kind of, I'll kind of share the way I think about it is I had a, um, <laughs> I'll tell you a, a kind of a vulnerable story. So I used to, when I, when I was at the first company, I ran an office and was running the number one office in the country. And I thought it was the best thing ever. You know, I'm like 22 years old and I'm running the number one office out of 750 offices in this $250 million company. I thought it was awesome. My manager, who is a, a mentor of mine, calls me up and he goes, hey, do you want to go get lunch? And I was like, sure. And he wasn't, uh, he's very to the point. And he said, we went to Chipotle, he, we get our burritos, we sit down and he goes, all right, man, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how to tell you this. And I was like, okay. And he goes, a lot of people don't like you. And I was like, okay. All right. So what do you mean? And he's like, he's like, here's, here's what I'm noticing. I know you, I've known you for three years. I know your heart. I know what you, your purpose is. I know what, what you're so connected to and who you truly are. What you portray to other people is a facade that is not who you truly are. It's you're you're very brash, you're to the point. I was known as a person who like would cut first so that therefore somebody wouldn't say something. I'd have a real sharp tongue so I could say it so they couldn't say something back to me and they knew like, oh, I was the one that was that was the alpha in some sort of way. 
And um, he said, you're really going to make a shift in your life when you're, you switch off of yourself and onto your purpose. And he basically said, what you're doing is you're trying to protect by being this, this person who you're not. And he, this was right before I went and opened. So I, I ran an office and then I got the, I was a, the, the pilot sales manager for that office. And then I got the opportunity to actually own my own office and, and run uh, Broward County, which is all in Fort Lauderdale. And um, he said, what I want you to remember is just connect to your purpose every day. Connect to why, like, why does this matter to you? Why does this company matter to you? Instead of saying, hey, we want to just bring in more revenue. What about the people who are in front of you? When they make more revenue, we make more revenue. So why don't you just focus on them and not focus just on yourself? And so for me, that was one of the most life-changing conversations I ever had. And I always try to remind people, myself, my team, people that I coach who are growing businesses, you're, you're going to have problems when you're focusing on yourself and thinking, oh, I want to make $100,000 this year. Or I want to get this amount of followers or I want to get this amount of views and I don't want to be judged based off of my views. I want people to love me. But that's focusing on yourself. Focusing on your purpose is I know what I want to communicate with people no matter what. And I'm okay with, I'm either going to do it or I'm going to die trying. And, you know, one of, I'll tell you another real quick and, and vulnerable conversation. One of my, my wife's biggest fears, we had this conversation this weekend, is that as I start to grow more in popularity, my safety it could, you know, I could come in danger because there are some crazy people out there, you know, and she, she's afraid like it's going to be a John Lennon situation where someone thinks that I broke up the Beatles and wants to shoot me or something, right? Like that's, that's a, a real concern that, that I completely understand, but I'm okay if that happens, right? Because I don't, because what am I going to do? Sit on the sideline and not talk and, and say what I truly believe in simply because I'm afraid of what other people might do? Uh, do I want it to happen? No, that's not what I want to happen. But if that's what, if that's what my life path is and that's what God chose for me before I even came on this planet, I'm just going to follow what's supposed to be right for me. And so for me, I think the reason why I'm so passionate about what it is that I do is because I know what people are going through because I've gone through it. And one of the best, one of the best compliments I ever got was someone who was in my mastermind, this high level mastermind. This guy makes a few million dollars a year, super successful. And he lives over in Denmark. So his first language is not English. And he goes, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But the thing I love about you is that you're just so normal. And I was like, that's the best compliment that I could ever get because there's a lot of people who try to act like gurus or like they've got it all figured out. And I want everyone to know, like, I'm just as screwed up as everybody else. I just have been on the path a little bit longer and I've got some tools to get myself out of it whenever I find myself in, in, in the crap. And so for me, it's just like, I just, I want to share vulnerably and, and I want to, to tell people my story because I think a lot of people relate when they feel someone's authenticity and their vulnerability. And so for me, it's always just been like, I, I told you before you started the podcast, you can ask me anything that you want to, because if, if there's something you want to ask and you don't ask it, then the people who are listening are not getting the value that they could. And so I'm just an open book for it. And I just trust that the path that I'm on is the path that I'm supposed to be on. And whatever happens, I just trust is exactly what's supposed to happen, whether it's good or whether it's bad was the path that was just made for me. And I'm just going to trust that. You know, this is kind of interesting because, um, I, the, everything you just said is a lot of what I talk about. And, and I also push the reason I talk about it is so people understand I've been there, I've done that and I'm doing it. And that's when people listen. And I didn't start 
my path or my journey down this way, I lived a very hardcore dysfunctional life, having brought my survival skills as a child into adulthood that I never went after, never worked on. And you, some of the things you said and that, you know, being the first one to cut the, somebody in the conversation mm-hmm. so everything stays off of you. Been the, yeah, yeah, all that I get. But I just, I'm always compelled to say it is just always, I want to recognize and I want to encourage and support and how amazing, again, where you're at. This is not about you being perfect and you got it all figured out. You just said that. Mm -hmm. That's the other amazing piece. You're working on it. I tell everybody the same thing with me. Everything you're seeing is a whole work in process every day. Every one of those friendly reminders, Rob, they were all designed and they're at me first. Again, I, I'm, I'm just appreciative of hearing all that. So. Yeah, thank you. I think I just got lucky. I think I just got lucky where I had trauma early and I, I got into a company that woke me up to it because it's it's funny because I'm like, man, I'm 37 now. I'm the oldest I've ever been. But, you know, I've been on this path so for, you know, 2006 is when I started. So we're at 17 years at this point. And that's, I actually started coaching people within six months of being in, in that business. So it's, I've, um, I think I was lucky to have the traumas that I had to have a father that passed away, you know, 22 years ago at this point, realizing things I wanted to start to work on myself. Like you said, some people don't wake up until they're 50. I think I woke up when I was 15 and I was like, all right, I've got to figure it out, you know? And so for me, I, I, I think I'm lucky in the fact that I just, my, my world was rocked really soon. And I, 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 I am thankful that I was given the, the mind to think that it was never my fault but it was my responsibility. You know, I never thought like my parents getting divorced was my fault or my father's alcoholism was my fault or my father passed away was my fault. But I always went, well, this is what I have. What do I do? What do I do with it? You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get another father. I'm not going to get someone that's going to teach me how to shave. Like it's, I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And so I think what I would have chosen as a kid and what I wanted as a kid, but no, not at all. You know, I wish my dad would have been there, but if I could change it now, would I? Absolutely not because of, of all of the good that's that's come from it. And so I think I was just lucky in the fact that I had the awareness a little bit sooner and and luckily got into a company that pushed self-development and I just started falling in love with it then. It did, again, I, all those things you just said and about, there's so much self-awareness in there. And that I mean, that wasn't me. I mean, that wasn't me at 50 years old. Yeah. I was, it was everybody else's fault. It was my dad's fault. My It was everybody's fault. So just to, again, to be there and, and moving forward from that, it's 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 completely different. I wanted to ask you who the the, the guy that would told you that nobody liked you. <laughs> who was you? Who was he to you? I mean, was he your boss or a peer? Yeah, or? he was my boss and like my very first mentor. So his name was Matt. And so what happened was I started in his office as a sales rep, moved into an assistant manager position, and then moved into the the, the pilot sales manager. So I ran his office because he. He was what was called a division manager. So he owned an office, which was the one I was in in Tampa, but he helped run all of the state of Florida. And so he was almost never there because he was helping all of the other offices. So I was a person who's in charge of just running his office. And so he was like the mentor. I mean, he was probably at the time he told me this, like 27 years old. So he wasn't even that much older, but he just gave me that reflection. And that's when it started changing. So yeah, Matt King was uh, the guy who woke me up. Well, that was, that was, that was great. You know, there's there's different kinds of candor and that that's a that was candor but it was very appropriate uh, to be talking to you about you said one other thing uh, I do have a couple of questions but I know we're getting close to time but 
you met, you said one thing to it's like, um, you would never change anything, mm-hmm. you know, through those, you know, with your dad and the things you're growing up. So again, these are lessons learned late in life and they come from my kids too. So my boys are 27 and 29. And I asked him, you know, he was bringing up something that bothered him. What you're talking about? I said, would you, is that something you would, if you could go back, would you change? This is exactly what he said to me. He said, dad, he said, I wouldn't change one thing, one second, anything I've done that was said to me, I wouldn't change anything Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be who I was today. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. That again, you just have a lot of, it's just crazy. You know, there's not a lot of uh, people that um, have put that together at where you're at. So thank you. I mean, it's, it's, you can't think that you'd be the same person without all of the exact same experiences, you know? So it's, it's never, almost never the way you want it to be in the short run. But then when you look at it and you zoom out, you feel like, oh, that was exactly what it was supposed to be for me to get. It's never what I wanted, but it's almost always what I needed. And so that's just the the viewpoint of, and it's hard. That's a hard perspective because a lot of us, myself included, have control problems. And so we want to control everything, but uh, we can't control almost anything. We can't, we can barely even control ourselves and our minds, let alone other people and other circumstances. And so you know, my, my first coach that I hired when I was 19 used to always say that your, your level of stress and anxiety will be in direct proportion to how much you resist the way that the world is. And so the more that you resist the world and you resist all of your experiences, you resist everything in life, the more stress and anxiety you will have. So that means the more that you just accept and just say, this is how it is, the less stress and anxiety you'll have. doesn't mean you don't want things to be different or don't want them to change, but you just give up levels of control that you actually don't have, but you think that you have. And a lot of that needs to, if you just turn it all back on you too, because a lot of these factors you're trying to control, like other people and things like that. One of the uh, things that I always say is, you know, stop trying to fix people. You can't fix people. Go look in the mirror. There's plenty of work to do right there. You know, I mean, there's, that's, we can control our own mindset. Those are things that you're teaching how to do that and how to, you know, so you get it. So I'm giving you the self-care savage stamp there. Uh, so Sedona, do you love Sedona? I mean, oh, I know yeah. I'm going back on something here, but you talk about Sedona in the book and everything, yeah. but that's one of my favorite places. One Is of that my not favorite place amazing? Or? We, we, so the first time I went there was 2018. In the summer of 2018, fell in love with it. I had, I had, like, had like five people tell me about it in like two months. And I was like, all right, universe, I'm listening. I guess I'm supposed to go there. So we went there and then... Uh, I fell in love with it. We were there for like three days, fell in love with it. We went back, uh, we went back four months later and we stayed for another week. And then I was, I was talking with my, my girlfriend and time, my wife now, and I was like, I really feel called to go to this place and stay long-term. And so we went and we rented an Airbnb and we stayed there for a month, same year. So we went there three times in like six months. We stayed there for a month and that was, uh, Actually, excuse me, that was that was probably six months later. So it was actually in 2019. At the end of 2019, we stayed there. It was probably October, November-ish. And then in February of 2020, I was like, I I need to go back to Sedona. Like, I want to go back again. And she was like, we were just there. And I was like, I know, but I feel like we need to go there. I don't know why, but I feel like we need to go and I want to stay long-term again. And she's like, okay, fine. I'm. She loves it too. She loves it as much as I do. So we go back in February 
And uh, it was like February 15th ish to March 15th ish. And it was the world started getting really weird at that point in time, if you remember of March 15th. And I was like, hey, let's stay an extra week. We've stayed for four weeks. Let's stay for an extra week. Let's get in a, you know, our Airbnb was over. Let's get a hotel. Let's stay for a week in a hotel. And we, the day that we moved into that hotel, everything shut down and it got all, it, it started getting all weird. And then, so I was like, okay, we need to, we need to probably stay longer. And I was, I live in Austin. I was communicating with all the people in Austin. They're like, it's shut down. Don't even come back. There's no reason to. And we lived in a condo in downtown. And I was like, well, I can either stay in Sedona and go hiking every single day, or I could go back to my downtown condo and have to stay inside every single day. And so we actually stayed, we were supposed to stay for one month. We stayed for four and I had, and my business was just starting to grow. We had just started to start hiring people. And so it was great because I could, we were very lucky and we had one of the best experiences we could possibly have during all of the crazy stuff that was happening because I could grow my business. I could be on all my Zoom calls. I could do everything and I could disconnect and go for a hike as soon as we were done working for the day. And so uh, for me, yeah, I, I love Sedona. And then every time we go back, we usually go back for a month or so. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the world. And, you know, if, if, if you don't believe in energy and places hold energy, you got to go to that place and then go, oh yeah, no, there's some, there's something different here. There's a, there's a sacredness to it. And you understand why native Americans used to spend so much time there and it was such a sacred place for them. And so, yeah, we love Sedona. We go there as much as we possibly can. And, and because of the fact of how amazing it was during the lockdown holds like a really special place for me because of that. And so I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love I, that, that experience. You talk about Native Americans and all that, but we're, we're almost out of time. But I want to get a couple of questions out here. What are what are three to five things that you don't do because it would be bad for your mental health? Yeah. Um, well, the first one is I don't surround myself with anybody who. I don't surround myself with anybody who I don't feel is in resonance with who I am and who I want to become. So a couple of years ago, my best friend and I and, our, and my business partner decided that uh, our New Year's resolution was we will no longer get in conversations that don't have the energy of transformation. And so if I don't feel like there's a, an energy of transformation, I try to remove myself from the conversation as much as possible. And so I try to surround myself with people who are really good for my mental health. I, I have had very toxic people in my life in the past that are not really in my life as much. So they're kind of there. They still exist. And you know, sometimes we can't completely get rid of relationships, but we can spend a lot less time with them. So I think the, the most important thing for me is, is the people I surround myself with. I don't surround myself with people uh, just because we have a past doesn't mean that we have to have a history. Uh, uh, we, we have a past doesn't mean we have to have a future. And so that's the first thing that I think a lot of people get pulled into toxic relationships and they have everything they need to start changing their life, but it's it's like they're being pulled back by these people. That's probably the first thing. Uh, second thing that I don't do is I don't allow my thoughts just to stay in my head. Uh, one of the things that I, a practice that I've really gotten good at and not good at, I would say, I've, that has become part of who I am is putting all of my thoughts on paper because we're such complex people to not try to figure yourself out on paper is crazy. Because if I were to say like, hey, what's two plus four? Everybody in here knows the number, but if I were to say what's 4,816 plus 3,832, most people could probably not figure it out in their head, but they could figure it out with a piece of paper based off of, you know, simple addition that we were taught when we were in second or third grade. If you can't figure out a problem like that in your head, you definitely can't figure out your complex life problems that have you, 
people that you surround yourself with, your family, past traumas, uh, things that have happened with you. And so what I always do is I always like take a pen and paper and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? And okay, I've noticed this thought. Okay, why do I think that way? And so I don't allow my thoughts to stay in my head. I try to put them on a piece of paper. And the other thing that I don't do is I don't uh, allow myself to make excuses as to why I'm not going to make my physical fitness a priority for me because I, I truly believe in the mind-body connection. And so I have to make sure that I, I you know, move my body, whether it's a workout or not. Like yesterday and the day before, my trainer came over and we worked out really hard. And I could have given the excuse of I'm not going to do it today. And it wasn't a hard workout today, but we worked out hard the past two days. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I have a, a gym in my garage. I'm going to go do some yoga and I'm do some stretching. I'm going to move my body in some sort of way because I know the, the brain body connection, the better that this, this vessel, this meat suit that I'm in works and the better that it operates, the better that my brain operates as well. And so I would say those are the three things that are like the most important to me. And so it's the people I surround myself with getting my thoughts on a piece of paper and then also making sure that my 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 physical fitness which also goes to my eating so like i love a lot of foods that are not don't give me the most energy throughout the day and my mission is so important to me that not having energy is just not acceptable sleep goes in with that so you know we ran this event this weekend i thought i i've had the past 4 days up until today i feel good like uh, an event hangover where it's just like i didn't do any drinking but it's just like it's lingering and so not last night, but the night before, we went to bed at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and uh, set my alarm for six. And I woke <laughs> up at eight, so I had 10 hours of sleep that night. And I was like, "It's just what my body needs," and I'm okay with that. And so, prioritizing my sleep and my physical fitness and what I put into my body is is important. And it's not to say that I don't like enjoy pizza every once in a while and stuff that I love or a margarita. I love all of those things at certain times, but I don't overindulge in them because I feel like they get me off of my path and slow me down in some sort of way. Now, yeah, I get that too. I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of all how all that connects the mind, body, and spirit, and that's definitely, you know, the physical. Which you know, I this part of my regiment with the hiking plus the food, and and I eat eighty percent clean most of the time. Mm -hmm. I give that twenty percent to whatever's happening. You gotta enjoy and, life um, at some point, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta, you know, it's the only way that helps keep the uh, obsessing you know, over something is to, you know, relieve that obsession from it. So this lastly on that piece is the journaling, which is what you're talking about is um, if you're not, you need to push that even more Oh, I do because that is huge. Yeah. I, I did journaling cognitive behavioral therapy part, which is kind of what you just touched on for a second. You said, you know, writing down, connecting that piece real quick. So anyways, yeah, beautiful stuff. And then the last question I have for you, and, you, and, and sometimes people aren't ready for this and that's okay, is you get the last question. The last so you question. get to ask the last question. I, you can ask Paul, me, you can ask yourself. I don't care. But you get the last question in, the, uh, in our podcast. Hmm. If you have one. Okay, this is fun. Let me think about this. <laughs> okay, I've got it. Uh, Scott, you've got three kids you said, right? You've got a, a daughter and two sons? Yes, sir. Okay. Very Let's good. Let's say uh, he listens. Yeah, I, I got to pay attention, right? So you have you have three kids. Let's say that uh, you know, hopefully, you live another forty or fifty years. Uh, over the next forty or fifty years, if you could only have one thing that you work on with making sure that you help your children understand or know, 
and that was the leaving piece that you left them, what would the next, what, what would that leaving piece be that you want to build into the next 40 or 50 years? Uh, to never, to never give in or give up on anything. This last 10 years has been a lot of fulfilling of try of that is going from verbalizing to my sons at that time when I had given up on myself. That's a hard, that was when I think back about it on it now, and I don't have regrets anymore. I really try to polish all those off and whack them out. Mm -hmm. But man, that's something I have to keep whacking out yep. is telling my 18, 20 year old sons that I was done. Mm. Not, not done where I was, Hey, I'm going to find a mountain, climb up and jump off of it. I'm done going forward. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of living this way. I'm getting up every morning, doing my deal, coming home, going to bed, do it again until I die. So that was a big part for me because I had never, ever gotten that far. And so it's real important to me for them to know no matter what happens in their life, no matter how hard, how, how dark, how something could happen, that they would never give up or give in. I love that. So I always tell them, last thing, I always, always told them, I've always told them they had superpowers. Yeah. And that's just, and it's just learning to use those superpowers. Sometimes they're negative traits and they might be ne negatives exhibited by their dad of how to handle things. That's beautiful. I can get off of my kids. Look, if you can ask me about my kids, we can go another <laughs> hour. But anyways, well, you know what, Rob, I'm just so grateful that you were on here. And um, I really feel like things happen for a reason a, lo a lot of times. Um, i you know, big believer in there's something greater than myself. Uh, don't know what that is yet still. But again, I'm, I just want you to know how grateful I am. Again, learned a lot from you. You've reinforced a lot of things. You bring hope for, uh, for uh, the, the next generation. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for, uh, for inviting me here and letting me, uh, letting me share with the people who follow you as well. Thank you for listening. And I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.